Carly Beatty, who's a member. Her mom is Cindy Greer. And uh, so I asked her if she'd make us a communion set, and they were done today. So I'm excited to uh, bless those. So just that's why there's so much stuff up on the altar there. Um, also, I want to let you know on the schedule that's on the back of the bulletin, I'm showing a date. Um, we've corrected it now. I'm showing a date that was during Holy Week. So we are not going to meet on Wednesday of Holy Week. I would love for you to come to the Maundy Thursday service, however. At the bottom of that um, list, it, it notes that we're not gonna meet for, Monday, or for uh, that Wednesday during Holy Week. So that would have been the 23rd. So I wanna encourage you to come during Holy Week on the Thursday. So just wanna point out that correction. So as we begin tonight, I wanna invite you to stand and um, I wanna say a prayer and ask God to come and, and uh, visit us here in his house and then we'll join in, in uh, worshiping the Lord. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here, that you have been here in this house all day, and we have entered into your presence. We are your people, Lord, and we need to hear from you, and we want to worship you, because to you belongs all honor and glory. So now please receive our praise. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our lives. 
Father, we worship you. We thank you for your strength. We thank you that your strength is made perfect in weakness. And we come to you asking for refreshment, that you would nourish us tonight. And now as we turn our attention to your word, would you send your spirit to open our minds to understand it. Give us spiritual discernment, Lord, and teach us, feed us from your word. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to turn in a Bible to page 892. This is in John's Gospel, John chapter 6, will be our text for tonight. I'm going to read John 6, 35 through 59. I'll give you the context of this. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with very few supplies, and then he's walked across the lake on water, and then he's been met by a crowd that were looking for something. They were looking for bread, but he wanted to give them much more. 
In verse 35, it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that everyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Well, tonight I intend uh, to talk to you about two important things, food and life. And I want to make sure that you get the main point, so I'm going to tell you that right at the front. True life is Christ in you. True life is Christ in you. And Matt, if, if you turn the lights up just a little bit, it's just slightly dark right here where I am. I'm kind of finding a contrast of trying to teach on life, but I'm in darkness, so. <laughs> we, can, we can darken it back down afterwards, but. So tonight, true life is Christ in you. In the basic outline of topics on the back of, of uh, tonight's worship leaflet, you will look through, last week we looked at God as being ever-living, almighty and ever-living God. And then the prayer goes on and says, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food. That's what I want to talk about tonight is the spiritual food, the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your son. So what is spiritual food? That's the question I'm wrestling with tonight. What is spiritual food? I often hear people talking about being spiritual, but not being into organized religion. I imagine that you might have heard people say that as well. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really into all that organized religion. What does the designation spiritual then mean? What are they trying to communicate? What are such people saying when they say, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really into organized religion? Here's what I typically take it to mean. They're saying, I'm more than my material body and possessions. I'm searching for significance that transcends the mundane. However, I'm currently closed off to the church as a possible source. So don't talk to me about religion or label me as a shallow materialist. See, such a man or woman keeps searching but never finding the life that they're looking for. 
They're looking in all the wrong places and they have, for the time being, closed off the one place where life could be found, where the satisfaction that they are looking for could be found. That whole organized religion thing and they just push it away. But they want to be labeled as spiritual. They understand they're much more than just a physical person. Um, I was attacked today by a man in Zaxby's on uh, Highway 17. Not physically, but verbally attacked for sure. I was on the way to the hospital to pray with somebody and I had a collar on. I put a collar on because it's especially helpful uh, in hospitals. And so it was obvious that I was a pastor and I'm sitting there in Zaxby's talking to Dan who went with me and we were eating our lunch and not just minding our own business, just minding our own business. And this was a man who worked the room and kind of tended to the tables and asked if he needed anything. And, um, and he came over and he looked at me and he just stopped and he said, I guess I can't tell you any dirty jokes. I mean, what do you say to that? I went, well, you can. I kind of, that's why I said, well, you can, like that. And, and, and he, he continued to talk to me, but he was railing against organized religion. He really had an issue with the church, and he said, I'm not into all that organized religion. I believe, to a, I believe uh, in another organization. I go to AA, which I'm a fan of AA. Alcoholics Anonymous is a great ministry. But he was rejecting organized religion and said his, his religion was in this other thing. And he said, and we believe in a higher power. But he was clear that it was very different than what I stood for. And he continued to just, I mean, I don't know what his manager thought. I mean, he's like heckling a customer, right? But, <laughs> but he was projecting onto me something. And he was trying to say, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't want what, you, what you're about. And, um, and, and he... So I didn't know what to say to him. I wanted to attack back and started pointing things out, but I didn't. And I just simply said, I said, well, um, our, our, I said, our church is Grace Anglican Church and it's down on Fleming Island. And he said, great, then I'll know to stay away from it. <laughs> At that point, I just didn't even know what to say to the man. Like I didn't, I wasn't trying to evangelize him. I wasn't trying to do anything, but he was just one of those people who had shut off the possibility that, that God could be in organized religion. And he was seeking elsewhere, looking, but never finding. And he did not have the character of Christ. He, he was projecting some other thing. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He tells us where life comes from. One of my favorite scholars is a Greek Orthodox, um, the late Greek Orthodox scholar, Alexander Schmemann. He's a pretty philosophical writer um, and had a lot of fun with his book called For the Life of the World while I was in seminary. And he begins that book by saying, man is what he eats. You've probably heard that before. And it's in quotes, man is what he eats. And he goes on to say, with this statement, the German materialistic philosopher Furbach thought he had put an end to all idealistic speculations about human nature. In fact, he was expressing, without knowing it, the most religious idea of man. For long before Feuerbach, the same definition of man was given in the Bible. In the biblical story of creation, man is presented, first of all, as a hungry being. As a hungry being. And the whole world as his food. Quote, Behold, I have given you, Adam and Eve, every plant bearing seed and every tree which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for food. He goes on to say that man must eat in order to live. He must take the world into his body and transform it into himself into flesh and blood. He is indeed what he eats. He goes on and says, and the whole world is presented as one all-embracing banquet table for man. And this image of the banquet remains throughout the whole Bible, the central image of life. It is the image of life at its creation and also the image of life at its end and fulfillment that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, Jesus later says. We still understand eating to be a spiritual thing. Occasionally it's merely nourishment, fuel for the body, but we talk about food as being soul food sometimes, and really eating is a spiritual experience. Um, wherever eating occurs, there is a transfer of life to life. Think about the last thing you ate. Something was alive and had to die in order for that thing to be made available. 
Even if you ate junk food, sugarcane had to grow and die and be processed down to make that cookie you ate, right? Or if you're a little healthier, you plucked an apple off of a tree or someone else did for you and therefore it now is dying. It's no longer connected and it, you ate it and molecules did what they do and your body processed it and it died and you received life from that. Eating is about a transfer from life to death to life. And it's, it's, therefore it's a spiritual thing. A transfer occurs. What's more, Jesus says, and quoting the Old Testament, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Shmemon goes on to explain that all hunger is ultimately hunger for God. So let me ask you, are you experiencing hunger right now? And I don't mean for dinner. I'm talking about the deeper kind of hunger, the hunger that Jesus promises to satisfy. Tonight, I intend to make that available to us in Holy Communion. I believe actually Jesus makes that available. He is the host and we are all his guests. In John 6, the passage that we read, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. It needs to be understood that in this section, the primary thing Jesus is talking about in John's gospel here is his death and the shared life that his death will make possible. So he is pointing to the cross in this teaching. But it is very clear also that he is pointing to Holy Communion, the sacrament he was going to institute in the Last Supper. He is pointing to the Eucharist. And I'm gonna borrow from Rod uh, Whitaker, one of my favorite professors in seminary who wrote a commentary on John's Gospel in the InterVarsity Press series. He, Rod identifies five things in this passage that show that Jesus is not just talking about the cross and his imminent death, but rather Holy Communion as well. This is a rich passage. In verse 53, uh, where Jesus refers to drinking his blood, this doesn't correspond well to the feeding of the 5,000 that precedes it, nor does it connect with the manna in the wilderness that the Israelites are talking, or the Pharisees are talking uh, to Jesus about. They're talking about bread that Moses prayed for, that God sent from heaven, and now Jesus is talking about drinking my blood. That doesn't make sense in the context. It doesn't fit with what he's saying. Furthermore, it's a scandalous thought for a Jew to drink blood. In fact, it was forbidden in Leviticus. Any blood, much less human blood. So for him to say this wouldn't help them if, they're, if he's just trying to have them understand the miracle he performed. He's pointing to something else that's coming. He's pointing ahead to Holy Communion. And Jesus says in verse 55, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. This additional language certainly points to more than a simple metaphor for the cross. I think you would agree. And most people, unless they've been persuaded for some reason to uh, be skeptical about this, would take on its surface meaning, he's pointing to Holy Communion here. My food, my, my, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. Anyone looking backwards from the perspective of this side of the cross and the resurrection would think he's got to be pointing to Holy Communion because he certainly, no one actually took a bite of his arm. Like, that's weird. But it's not just a metaphor for the cross. And then back in verse 23, which we didn't read, there's a reference to this feeding of the 5,000, and he superfluously uses the verb form of a Greek word, eucharisto. It means I give thanks. It's from which we get Eucharist. We call the Holy Communion Eucharist. I give thanks. And, and back in uh, verse 23, it says, other boats from Tiberias came to the place where, he had eat, where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Why would that little clause, after the Lord had given thanks, be inserted if it wasn't a reference of John to communion? They knew Tiberias where they had eaten the bread. He didn't have to point out that he had given thanks. But John is writing to a community that's a Christian community many years after Jesus' resurrection that were gathering regularly for Holy Communion. And their pattern was to recall what happened in the Last Supper. And after taking bread, he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. Remember over in Tiberias, feeding the 5,000, where he gave thanks and then fed them? Again, it's a reference to the Eucharist here in Jesus' teaching. And then in verse 53, the phrase, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Those are the very words that Jesus uses in the Last Supper. When he institutes that sacrament, he uses those same words. Take, eat. And then finally in verse 54, the choice of words translated eat 
is one of two Greek words for eat. It's a one that is literally press with teeth, like munch. And so it's not something you would use if you were just talking in metaphorical or allegorical or uh, any kind of a, a, a reference like that. It is a literal kind of eating. So he's pointing to communion in this teaching. And let me come back to my main point. My main point is true life is Christ in you. Christ in you. So when we participate in the Eucharist, in Holy Communion, there are at least three levels of meaning happening here. One is we connect with God by taking the body and blood of Christ into our bodies. Life is being passed to life. And it also recalls to us that Jesus had to die on the cross that we might be given this life. Furthermore, it fulfills and satisfies that hungry man who was placed in that garden at the very beginning of the story. Man is, after all, as we read in the, in the start of this talk, hungry. And it satisfies that. But it satisfies hungry man by giving a hope that one day we will eat in a heavenly banquet with Jesus in the Father's house. So these are at least three levels of meaning when we come to the Lord's table. The new catechism, which is a big churchy word for teaching, basically, of the Anglican church, quotes the old one from 1662, which is still totally good language and appropriate for us, and it says, it asks a question and an answer, a whole series of questions and then answers. It asks this question, what benefits do you receive through partaking of this sacrament? And then it gives this answer, as my body is nourished by the bread and wine, I receive the strengthening and refreshing of my soul by the body and blood of Christ. And I receive the strengthening and refreshing of the love and unity I share with fellow Christians with whom I am united in one body in Christ. So it's important though to remember that the, the operative thing here in the sacrament is faith. It is possible to come up here and just eat some bread and wine. However, the sacrament is effective through faith. We are believing in the real presence of Christ here in the midst of the sacrament. We are coming to receive his body and blood into ours, that Christ is here present in this. We must come and believe. We must walk down the aisle and kneel and hold out our hands and eat his body and blood into ours and receive Christ in us by faith. True life is Christ in you. Tonight, as usual, there are several ways to pray. After we bless the bread and the wine, the prayer team will be asked to come forward, and then they will scatter to different areas. And I really want to encourage you to take advantage of them. Let them pray for you. Of course, you can also pray at the communion rail after you receive, or even after we're all done receiving. It's your rail. Come up and kneel at it. Use it. Sit with the Lord. We're not in a rush tonight to get through this. We're about having communion. Did you ever read a really good meal fast? That's a bad experience. You want to savor it, right? We're here in God's house with him. So savor that. Of course, you can pray where you are right in your seat. You can put the kneeler down. But I want to encourage you to come tonight and ask for more. Ask for him to increase your hunger for him. Repent of things that you've, let's say, snacked upon. You've ruined your hunger by snacking on things that can't ultimately nourish you. There are many things that we put in there and try to get life from that can't provide it. Only he provides that life. So I want to encourage you to repent of those things and come and ask him to increase your hunger for him and then let him nourish you tonight. It's Christ in us that is the sacrament of the body and blood that gives us life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now what we're going to do is I am going to um, invite you to kneel, and you don't have to do it yet, not yet. Um, and we're... I'm going to go up and bless the new um, chalices and the patents and the carafes up there on the altar, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll go into the Lord's Prayer, and, uh, and then I'll go right into the Eucharistic Prayer. And I want to encourage anyone who's here, even if you're visiting tonight, if you are a baptized follower of Jesus, you are welcome at his table. And what we do is we'll come forward after the chalice bearers uh, come up, uh, well, the prayer team and the chalice bearer comes up and, and we receive first. And then we'll just serve from that side over to this side. And it'll be a little bit slower than it is on Sunday morning if you've been here for that. So again, let's take our time and, and have communion with the Lord here. So I want to invite you now to kneel. And I'm going to go up here and uh, consecrate these elements for use as vessels in God's house.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for these vessels of clay and the hands that prepared them. I pray that you would make them holy vessels for use in the sacrament. I pray, Lord God, that not just bread and wine would be here, but the body and blood of Christ. And that as we come and partake, our eyes would be open, that we would behold Christ in this sacrament. And I thank you and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I'm just gonna get the bread and wine from some of the old and mismatched set that we had and uh, transfer it into the new ones. Each Wednesday night, I've been slightly adjusting our Eucharistic prayer to help it line up with the focus of the teaching. And um, at the beginning of this prayer, there is a call and response part, which will be on the screen for you. So let us now together join in this liturgy. The Lord is here. We are his people. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word, through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be the bread of life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh as your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin. He lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. On the night before our Lord Jesus Christ was handed over to suffering and death, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. And then after supper, he took the cup of wine And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. And now, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this food from your creation. Receive this bread and wine and make it the body and blood of Jesus Christ, spiritual food and drink for us. As we receive these holy gifts in your presence, grant us renewed life in Christ and Christ in us, and build us into a living temple to your glory. All this we ask through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the bread of life. I now invite you to come and receive him by faith. Amen. I invite the prayer team to come forward, and Ross, who's going to serve as our Chalice bearer tonight.
Tonight we have taken the body and blood of Christ into our bodies. I want to encourage you that in the coming weeks and months as you draw near to God through this sacrament and as we pray the post-communion prayer, that you would think of this spiritual food and realize that you are what you eat, that is Christ in you. And may he be made glory, glorified in us, that, we, that his glory would shine out of us. I want to encourage you now to join and let's pray this post-communion prayer. It's on the back of that um, leaflet. If you're receiving prayer from the prayer ministers or would like to, they'll stay here throughout the service. Feel free to take advantage of that. Let's um, pray this prayer and then I will uh, give a benediction and then invite you to join us for fellowship afterwards. Let us together pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, 
to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And now let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join us afterwards for some refreshments.